in an overcrowded graveyard, the scream will rise. The Ghoulmates presents Not Another Spooky Podcast. Happy holidays, ghouls! Welcome back to Not Another Spooky Podcast, where I'm your ghost hostess, Mandy Spooks, and you, my listeners and community, are the co-host. On this show, we fan ghoul over spooky pop culture and learn from it, too. If you've always loved Halloween, horror, true crime, ghosts, or basically anything spooky, then you have found your spooky oasis. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much for your support this year. It has truly meant the world to me to be able to return to the platform I started my content creating journey on and be met with both familiar and new faces that somehow still came together as a community that felt like they had known each other forever. It has been quite the year from moving to Denver to finally finding my place in my career to launching another successful podcast. I would have never found myself without podcasting and you ghouls. I'm feeling extremely reminiscent these days and especially proud of how far our community has come in just three years. What started out as me and my husband having fun nerding out behind a really bad sound setup to so many ghouls reaching out to tell me how I wasn't alone in my weird weird world to literally a revolution in the normies world where a show like Wednesday breaks world records. We would have never dreamt this hard in May of 2020. To think I just wanted to escape the realities of the world and be spooky and it led me to all of you is just the most wild, beautiful gift the universe has ever given me, honestly. So I thought, what if we took it back to our first spooky Christmas in 2020 and saw how far our community has come? The timing of this honestly couldn't be any better. In this vault episode of The Ghoulmates, Rudy and I fangooled over Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands, and to my surprise, we talked a lot about how misunderstood people are mistreated. And one of the most interesting things to me was that we learned that the studios had to be extremely careful to not reveal photos of Johnny Depp in his full costume because they were terrified that if the masses saw that version of him, they would not want to see the movie. Um, so... As you can tell, I'm not going to tell you the entire conversation, but I thought, wow, just three years later since we had this conversation and Tim Burton has led a revolution with a lead Latina dressed head to toe in black is a legit weirdo and has taken the world by a tormenta. 2020 ghouls could never imagine we'd be here today. I also love that in this episode, we talk about our first spooky Christmas and I shared some tips on spooky Christmas decorating. And it's honestly just such a feel good episode to listen to where Rudy and I were our first Christmas as the Ghoulmates to now and having a deep conversation about a movie we felt was a love letter to the spooky community at the time. And then now Tim Burton has managed to do this once again in 2022. And just one quick note before we get started for all of our momsters out there, Master of Ceremonies did love to drop some F-bombs back in the day in the later half of the episode, so just a heads up if you're tuning in with your little monsters around. But other than that, grab your witch's brew, sit back, and enjoy the ghoulish fun. Welcome, foolish ghoulsters, to the podcast that keeps the spirit of Halloween alive all year through pop culture and nostalgia. And now, it's Love at First Fright with the Ghoulmates. Hi guys, welcome back to the Ghoulmates. If you're tuning in for the first time, I'm your ghost hostess, Mandy. And I'm your master of ceremonies, Rudy. 
As promised, we have some exciting things planned for you this Spookmas season, and we are starting our third season strong by celebrating the 30th anniversary of Edward Scissorhands. Chop, 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 chop. <laughs> All right, guys, we have our first change of the season. You know, we usually kick off the show with horror trivia. But as promised, we give our patrons dibs on what they want to hear from us. And it turns out a few of you wanted a bit more variety or fun facts mixed into this. So moving forward, we are going to have tombstone trivia. Our familiar will be providing trivia questions for us every week that incorporate all variations of Halloween, whether it's spooky, cute, scary, or historical. So, Rudy, why don't you kick off Tombstone Trivia? Here is the first trivia question for our inaugural Tombstone Trivia. (laughs) So excited. If you have a morbid fear of Halloween, you suffer from... Um... I have two guesses. Okay. Scalophobia? No. Okay. Gordphobia. <laughs> Gordphobia? I think that's the fear of uh, pumpkins, no? Gordphobia? Sure. Pumpkins are part of Halloween. <laughs> it's actually um, Samhainphobia. What? Really? Uh-huh. That's crazy. Apparently. That, that was so obvious, too. I like Gordphobia better, though. Uh, that you, was... you are gorgeous right now. Aww. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Gorgeous phobia. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Are you ready for yours? I am ready. Universal Studios was famous for its monster movies in the 1930s. Which of these was released last? Um, let me see here. Uh, This one's hard. I'm going to say The Invisible Man. Really? Yeah. (sighs) Yes. (laughs) I I, I guess The Invisible Man because it's going to, that was like the newest one because I was like, we have the classic ones. It's uh, um, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman. And then it kind of gets murky there. (laughs) Murky. Uh, And I was like, I was like, it can't be. Um, the mummy, and I was like, it could be the creature, but I was like, no, it can't be the creature. He's pretty old too. So the only one I had left was the Invisible, Invisible Man. Man or Phantom of the Opera, but he's not really a huge one. So that's why I was like, Invisible Man. Okay, Smarty Dinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start calling you Murky Myers. <laughs> Murky Myers. <laughs> All right. And now a segment we probably won't ever be changing. Haunted housekeeping. And by the way, I have to say I'm so relieved this segment is actually a crowd favorite because I sometimes feel like it's not the most fun stuff to get through, but it's needed. So thank you for loving my little bubble of organized updates. I don't have too many of them today, but... I am very excited to share that we created our first Instagram guide for Spookmas holiday shopping, including some of our favorite small businesses in the spooky community. You can check it out on our Instagram profile under the fourth tab next to where you find our reels and IGTVs on our actual profile. Also, just a quick reminder that you will notice our fables from our familiar will not be returning until next spooky season. 
And finally, there is one segment that is being revived due to popular demand. And well, to be honest, we kind of missed it too. It is how we are keeping the spook alive. So I will let you begin, Rudy. So as you know, Christmas is upon us and we started to decorate our apartment getting ready for Spookmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things we talked about early on was um, having a spooky Christmas tree. Yes. And uh, I was like, you know what? I really wanted to look like that ceramic Christmas tree that um, we had taken photos, taken photos of. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I created a tree topper that was um, made out of a old um, uh, jack-o'-lantern we had that had a light in it. So what I did was I cut a hole on the, on the bottom of it and I, you know, fixed it on top of the tree. But it was kind of tough because uh, I had, I don't know, I, I don't have a, like a lot of tools here at home. Yeah. So I had to kind of do it by hand. So I took a, like a, a knife and I just had to like start carving a hole and it kind of took a little while, but you know, it looked pretty cool when we put it on, on top of the tree. I, I was really worried that it was going to be too heavy. Oh yeah. Cause the tree is so skinny. And um, I was worried it's going to, it was going to knock down, but it looks pretty <laughs> cool. Like uh, we were going to bed last night and we turned off the lights and, sh- and you were like, Hey, come over here. And I came into the room and it just looked really pretty all lit up and stuff. So um, that's how I'm keeping the spook alive. Just um, trying to make uh, our house as spooky as possible for the holiday season. The haunted day season. Haunted day season. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried about the tree topper because for we had this plan for months in advance. So I'm going to just turn this into a little um, pro tip here, guys. So I know a lot of you know that a lot of people were doing like Halloween trees during the Halloween season. But here at the Ghoulmates, we keep the spirit alive all year. So... My goal is to adapt every season and holiday to Halloween somehow. So during the Halloween season, Halloween, (laughs) Halloween season, I started purchasing ornaments from like Dollar Tree, Michael's. um, I think those were the two main places I got them, but I got them during Halloween season because they obviously wouldn't be selling them during Christmas. And I got really lucky and found some extra like mini Halloween trees during Halloween clearance. So that was unplanned. So that's luck of the draw. Um, so we kind of had to start shopping for Spookmas back in October. We bought a skinny, tall black Christmas tree. I thought it looked very Burton-esque. So that was why we went with the skinny one. I'm actually not usually a fan of them. All sizes are great. <laughs> All sizes better. I like big chunky trees, but this one just kind of worked out because it looks spookier that way. Uh, and then it was really fun actually painting our ornaments and putting them together. The tree is a work in progress, in my opinion, but I'm really proud of it because we kind of like put together everything on our own. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I remember you you created these like little um, um, colored ornaments that you painted. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty cool. You know, we should call the pumpkin ones those ornaments. Gordamins. Gordamins. <laughs> <laughs> I read your mind. <laughs> I think that's going to be our running uh, joke for the season is trying to fit Gord into a bunch of stuff. Yes. <laughs> I'm so in. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. And. I have to say that we finally, after I don't know how many months, we got through the first 
season of American Horror Story. And for those of you who remember, we had mentioned that we might be doing a uh, mini series about American Horror Story on our bonus episodes for Patreon. And we're still kind of up in the air about it because we are also considering doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel like if we do American Horror Story, we're going to want to like jump around seasons. Yeah, I already want to jump around like um, I wasn't like 100 percent on the show. But as it went along, I started to get into it Mm -hmm. and then I hated the ending. I know. I was like, that's it. And um, because I the episode was so long. The last episode was so long. I'm pretty sure it's the same length, but I was just waiting for it to like conclude the way I wanted it to. And it never did. Yeah. And I'm just like still on the fence about it. And I just want to get to the the 80s one. I know. And I want to get to the coven one. So I don't know. Let us know if you guys prefer an American Horror Story or a Buffy bonus episode miniseries because we're kind of torn about it. We can also do what we do in the shadows, too, if you want. That would be really short, though. I know. I'm just messing with you because (laughs) I'm obsessed with it. And you're like, eh. Maybe I just need to be less stressed and busy when we watch it. I don't know. (laughs) All right, guys, uh, let's get this show on the road. Today, we are here to talk about the iconic Edward Scissorhands. Can you believe it will be the movie's 30th anniversary on December 7th? Edward Scissorhands had an initial limited release on December 7th, 1990 and was directed by the legendary Tim Burton. It also has a 90% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And here is the summary written by Film Fan UK on IMDb. In a castle high on top of a hill lives an inventor's greatest creation, Edward, a near complete person. The creator died before he could finish Edward's hands. Instead, he is left with metal scissors for hands. Since then, he has lived alone until a kind lady named Peg discovers him and welcomes him into her home. At first, everyone welcomes him into the community, but soon things begin to take a change for the worse. And now I'll have Rudy share some interesting facts about the movie. So this was... um uh, a first for both Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Um, the first time they collaborated. Um, it's kind of crazy because I remember him being on 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. And then he's um, like in this movie with Tim Burton. It's very like different from what he's done. But um, a couple of things they also worked on were um, uh, Sweeney Todd, uh, Dark Shadows, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Sleepy Hollow, Corpse's Bride. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just crazy that they've been together for so long. I know I hadn't even thought about it until we started working on this movie or this episode. I was like, dang, I hadn't realized how many of those projects they worked on together. Right. Another fun fact, um, Edward Scissorhands was designed or I would say co-designed by Stan Winston. A lot of people know his work from Terminator, Jurassic Park, and Aliens. Ooh. He create or he helped create the Xenomorph in Aliens, the, the alien from Aliens. Mm-hmm. He worked with H.R. Geiger, another um, famous designer artist. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I thought this was crazy, but um, other people that were kind of in the mix for the role of Edward Scissorhands was... Tom Cruise and Robert Downey Jr. Which is super random. Yeah. Imagine like 
Maverick and Iron Man <laughs> as Edward Scissorhands. That'd be so weird, especially Tom Cruise. Yeah, because he's so intense and it's he can't be like emo. <laughs> I like just pictured like Jeff Edward is. Scissorhands jumping on the couch. <laughs> yeah, or, or he's like, "Help me, help you." <laughs> With his scissor hands. <laughs> oh my god, that, that would have been just too. I, it wouldn't have been an iconic movie if it was Tom Cruise for sure. Uh, maybe Robert Downey Jr. He's kind of had that. Uh, I think there's a movie called Less Than Zero where he's very dramatic, and um, it it, it might have worked. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, here's a couple of other facts about um, the movie. Um, they had a, a couple of people um, kind of nominated for awards, but they didn't really win, which is a bummer because it's, you know, everybody remember, remembers these movies. Well, it's crazy to me because I want to know who who beat the people nominated for this movie because it's I Edward could, Scissorhands. I could tell you. Um, um, v. Neal, uh, the makeup artist on the movie. Um, she was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Makeup, but she lost to Doug Drexler for um, Dick Tracy, which is also like a really good movie, too. It has really good makeup in it, too. Never heard of it. You've never seen Dick Tracy? No. With the Watch and everything? Nope. I love Dick Tracy. It's a good movie. Uh, Madonna's in that movie. She, what? Yeah, okay, she's, I don't know she's super about young. Yeah. Um, Donnie Je Donnie Jeb. <laughs> uh Johnny Depp um was nominated for a Golden Globe for uh best performing actor, but he lost to Gerard Diapadou for Green Card. I don't even know what that movie is. But you know how to say the name apparently. Yeah, he's the guy with the the Frenchman with the, the big nose. I like Gerard Depardieu. I think he was in also a um musketeers movie at some point and he, Still lost he was over here. He, he was some horny horny uh frenchman in in that um um three musketeers movie actually i think it's a disney movie really yeah i think so i'm oh. not 100 percent sure or it might be the man in the iron mask one of the two. Oh, okay um this is crazy um danny elfman was nominated for a grammy for best instrumental composition and he lost to elton john in some i guess it's a movie called basque biosque but what how do you pronounce that i don't i would have said basque basque i don't know <laughs> i can't believe that one i mean i get that it's elton john but the music in this movie is phenomenal so yeah i think it's kind of like I don't know if this is, no, this is not one of his first ones because he also did um, Batman. Um, Daniel Elfman also did the Batman soundtrack. Um, but yeah, his, his stuff is pretty unique. Like you already, you know, it's like a Tim Burton movie when you hear Danny Elfman's music. Right. Uh, it's very like ethereal and like whimsical and stuff. Um, but yeah, it plays really well into the, in the whole story and kind of plays with your emotions as it goes along. But yeah, Danny Elfman. Yeah, that's a bummer. Legend. I feel like all of those should have won, considering we're still here True. celebrating the 30th anniversary of the movie. Yeah, the I mean, the Elton John one, it's hard. They're both legends, you know. But I mean, 
you but you remember Edward Scissorhands. Exactly. You don't really remember. Me, it's like we don't even know what that project was. Yeah. So that happens a lot too. I remember when Saving Private Ryan lost to Shakespeare in Love for Best Picture, <laughs> and nobody cares about Shakespeare in Love anymore. And everybody watches Saving Private Ryan every year, Fourth of July. So yeah, whatever it happens. Yeah, bummer, rummer. Bummeroni. All right, so you know the drill. Had you seen this movie, and what was your history with it? Honestly, it's been so long. I haven't really. I mean, I, I've been. I remember watching it like as I grew up. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen it like hundreds of times, but I don't really remember seeing it the first time. Um, the only things I could tell you is I remember finding out that Lydia and uh, the character in Edward Scissorhands were the same actress. So I thought that was pretty shocking, but you know, you know, I remember, you know, watching it. I think I saw it in the theater when I was a kid, but it's been so long. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I also don't really remember much about it. I know I saw it at some point as a kid, but you know, with me, that means I don't remember it. And then I'll say that at some point in high school, which I think I've mentioned before, our familiar dressed up as Edward Scissorhands for Halloween. And he looked so similar to him. Like now when I watch the movie, it's Oscar. In my head. Funny. <laughs> which is like really weird, but it makes it like extra sad because I'm like, oh, it's my best friend. <laughs> um, so I don't know. And of course, the movie's just like super sad. So we'll get into more about my thoughts and what it means to me later. But I thought that you had a really interesting take on the movie and I thought it encompassed all of our thoughts. So do you kind of want to share your little analogy that you had for it? Yeah, we it's funny because we had talked about this last night and um, I had mentioned that, you know, um, I think every story has already been told. There's nothing really original that people can tell at this point. Mm-hmm. It's just like how you present it. And I think um, uh, Tim Burton does a really good job of kind of taking what has already existed and just kind of like making it his own, whipping it up and just uh, creating something just creating a new experience based on old stories. You know, one thing that I really thought of when watching Edward Scissorhands is it reminded me a lot of um, Beauty and the Beast. You know, Johnny Depp's character, of course, is the Beast. And, you know, White Anna Ryder's character, Kim, she's the beauty or what's her name? Belle, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character, the the bully in the movie, he reminds me of Gaston. Like, he's like... Everybody like loves him and he's like very arrogant and cocky and he believes there's no way that, you know, Kim or Belle is ever going to pick him over the beast. And like that enrages, enrages him and, you know, pushes him to the edge and has and he does like all these terrible things. Um, But yeah, it's just, um, you know. The movie, like Beauty and the Beast, it's not what's on the outside. It's what's in the inside that counts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what I I think of when I watch um, Edward Scissorhands. I think of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And I loved that analogy because, like, I hadn't even thought as far as to include Anthony Michael Hall's character when you were talking about it. Right. But it's perfect. And something that I really loved about this movie was that it was an evolution for each of the actors. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Depp. Actually, I'll let you talk more about Johnny Depp because I feel like you know more about his history than I right. do. 
Well, yeah, because Johnny Depp's character, which was interesting because at that time, like we all know him as Captain Jack Sparrow right now. And he's very like kooky and out there and stuff. But he wasn't like that before he went into Edward Scissorhands. You know, he was on 21 Drum Street. He was like a like an 80s heartthrob, very like like sexy and stoic and stuff. And then he became Edward Scissorhands and it kind of changed everything. And he went into a role that he wasn't used to. See, and it's interesting for me because growing up a little later than you, I didn't know that history of him. Like to me, he's always been, I think the very like most popular thing I can remember him to is is Jack Sparrow. But even then it's like when I saw him in Edward Scissorhands or heard of him in Sleepy Hollow, like those were, that's the Johnny Depp I grew up knowing. So I had no idea that this role is Mm -hmm. what... Um, was like the turning point in his career. Yeah, even he was also in um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and it follows this writer, I forgot the writer's name, and like he's like in a drug-induced like free-for-all and stuff and he's like crazy in that movie too. So he's always kind of had these crazy roles, but you know, in the beginning of his career, he was not, he wasn't like that. Like he was just like this very cool guy and stuff and it's just really amazing to see that transformation yeah but um another person too um i think this is even bigger and not a lot of people talk about it and it's anthony michael hall's character Mm -hmm. you know his character has always been the same since the 80s he's like a staple of john hughes um and he's always been like their nerdy character and like in this movie he's not that he's a bully like he he becomes the thing that he fights against in his whole career mm-hmm. as this nerdy kid. So I thought that was insane because I like I didn't realize it until way later when I got older. I was like, you know what? That's a guy from Weird Science and Pretty in <laughs> yeah. Pink. And it's like freaking crazy because he's an asshole in this movie. Yeah. So like his transformation was it was pretty crazy because he went into a role that he wasn't used to either. And I thought that was really cool. And, you know, and I've read other things, you know, when I read her, she had the same thing, too. Like, she was very, you know, you know, she was used to being Lydia. Like, she's like this alternative alternative girl and very dark and emo. And then she's like playing pretty much like this cheerleader character. Yeah. And that was very different for her, too. Yeah. I actually read that um, she felt super uncomfortable playing Mm -hmm. this role. And that's why Tim Burton loved that this was probably like her most challenging role in her career. Right. Because he knew that it was a struggle for her to be this person she didn't resonate with. Like she really right. felt she had just done Lydia and she felt like that resonated with her. She was a spooky right. girl, like all of us and our listeners. Um, and so stepping into like a cheerleader role was really hard for her. And, and Tim Burton actually said that seeing her play the role was like watching Bambi. Oh, yeah, because he he was just so fascinated to see her like step out of her comfort zone and play this role. And I really loved I just feel like this movie set like. A domino effect in their careers, because I love that these two characters have gone on to become like spooky icons, in my opinion. Like you mentioned all the movies that Johnny Depp has done and Winona Ryder to this day continues to do things like Stranger Things. Right. So I feel like it breaks my heart that they didn't stay together, but it's just so awesome. And I think it was also a really big deal for um, Tim Burton to cast 
like an actual real life couple at right, the time. Right, yeah, that's pretty cool. So it was just really interesting how this movie was created and how it just set a course right. for like the future of, I guess, spooky cinema. Right. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the chemistry is very apparent in the movie and that's probably intentional why he had them cast because they were like you know together and stuff like that and i'm pretty sure it did help with the chemistry but um yeah i think that i was just thinking about it it's crazy that you know he cast these characters or these people to play these characters that they weren't used to and that's you know that's saying a lot you're handing a lot of you know a lot of the story to these people they're not used to doing those things like mm-hmm. if i was going to direct it i'd you know cast characters that were of people that already kind of fill those roles so they're they know what to expect right but you know having people like do something outside of what they're used to is pretty pretty bold but you know you're pushing your actors to do something they're not used to and you know it's like hey it's go time let's see how good an actor you are can let's see if you can actually pull this off mm-hmm. which i think is cool yeah i think it's awesome All right. So why don't we dig a little into our like actual thoughts and takeaways from the movies? Like what sticks out to you? Uh, I mean, the first thing that sticks out is um, the music, Mm -hmm. you know, Danny Elfman's score. It's like amazing. Um, Yeah. I remember as soon as we started watching it, that was like the first thing you mentioned. Yeah. And it's like, I really hadn't heard anything like it before. Mm -hmm. Like it's very. I don't know. I don't know how to like, it's a character on on its own in the movie. Yes. Like it just, uh, it just plays really well with the whole thing. Um, And it's just kind of hard to believe that, you know, well at that time, you know, Danny Elfman, I think he had just finished um, with his band Oigo Boingo. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it's just crazy. Like how talented that guy is. I know. I agree. And he's a huge activist, by the way. Yeah. I also think it's cool. He also did the um, so the theme song to Weird Science, too. Oh, really? So he's like, I think he's singing in that song, too. Ah. Weird Science. <laughs> so and like he has a bunch of other hits, too. But it's just it's just crazy how talented he is. He kind of reminds me of uh, Trent Reznor, too, because oh, he, he's been doing a lot of like uh, scores, too, lately. Um, so yeah, uh, the music for sure. hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree. And I hate to like sound so generic, I guess, but I just genuinely think that the music is magical. Mm-hmm. Like it creates this, yeah. like it makes, it puts you, for me, the music makes me feel like I'm in the snow globe of scissors. R- Edward Scissorhands. Uh, yeah. And I know it's, oh. uh, it's almost not even of this world, the music. Yeah. Like it, it feels almost, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, whimsical? Whimsical, but almost... Euphoric? Um, not euphoric. <laughs> almost divine, almost kind of like of like from heaven and stuff. It's just really weird. It's just different, you know? Yeah. I know we didn't touch too much on Danny Elfman's music, but I will say that we will for sure be doing an episode dedicated just to his music eventually oh, yeah. as requested For by sure. one of our patrons so it's coming liz we promise <laughs> um some other things um you know other takeaways is like it's one of those movies that's really hard to watch um for me anyway because you know 
it's when when they first find Edward, he's by himself and stuff, and he doesn't really know what to do with himself. He's just kind of existing, mm-hmm. kind of just like almost like an animal out in the wilderness. Yeah. And then somebody finds him and then they try to like make him part of his family and stuff and everybody loves him. But then like, you know, it takes for a turn. It takes a turn. Like he does something wrong that he doesn't understand that he's doing something wrong. Just mm-hmm. like a dog or, you know, some kind of animal you find like on the street. And uh, this is the sad part. Like they, you know, they reject him and he's kind of driven back to, you know, his castle and he kind of, you know, lives out the rest of his life the same way he started. So I don't know, like the sad part is like, I don't know if like it was almost inhumane of him, like them, you know, showing him that he couldn't be long, but then reject him. Or is it also sad that he's just going to be alone forever? Like they should have just left him alone. So like those things are kind of like what makes it hard to watch yeah. each time. And and it's hard because you think like he got to actually live for a few weeks, days, whatever, however long it was um, and experience things and emotions right. and feel happiness. Right. But then it's like, was he better off not ever even feeling yeah, exactly. those things and knowing what he was missing? Right. That's what's heart. That's what is heartbreaking. It's messed up, Tim Burton. <laughs> um. And I think actually our familiar had mentioned that uh, when Tom Cruise was trying to get the role, he wanted Tim Burton to change the, the ending because ending mm-hmm. it was too sad. And Tim Burton was like, nope, see you later. <laughs> Next. Yeah. I don't, uh, it wouldn't have had the same impact if they yeah, would have And that, done that's that. the whole point of it. Um, so what were your other thoughts? You know, it kind of reminded me of other stories, too. Um you know, it was a fish out of water story, which I like. I love, you know, it reminds me of Pinocchio, you know, this, you know, you know, um, boy was created out of wood and, you know, he longs to become a, a real boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Vincent Price's character does that. He creates this boy. But the sad part is he never gets to finish him because he, he dies in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he sees his hands for the first time and like touches them, but then he destroys them. Because his creator dies. Mm -hmm. That is like so heartbreaking. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I think we've all been through that. You know, you're so close to something that you want to accomplish or do, or you think you're going to win something. I recently went through this. Um, um, You know, I was up for an award and I was like, you know, I'm so close to achieving this. And then it just doesn't work out in the end. You know, we all, we've all felt that we've come close to something we want to achieve and it doesn't happen. You know, that sadness, you know, you know, it resonates with everybody. So that was really hard to watch. Um, but also like the relationship, the small like bits of the stuff we see with Vincent Price mm-hmm. and Edward, just him like teaching him, you know, you know, that father son relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that in Pinocchio and it's just really cool seeing, you know, that play out. It was really nice seeing, you know, you know. It reminded me a lot of, of Disney, Disney's Pinocchio, you know, yeah. and it kind of took me back. But it also reminded me of another iconic story, and that's um, Frankenstein. Yes, definitely. You know, this guy is misunderstood and he's just he's just who he is. You know, he exists. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's just there. But because of like who he is and stuff, he's a little bit destructive. Mm-hmm. And that scares people and they don't understand that. And they don't understand like he's not human like you. He doesn't understand 
social norms. He's just what he is. And, you know, when people are afraid of things, and this is true of real life too, when people don't understand things, they get scared of it and they reject it, you know? Um, yeah. People of color go through that all the time. People with different religions, people with different, you know, disabilities, you know, people that are different, people tend to reject them for some reason, which mm -hmm. is stupid. And, you know, that happens in the movie. The The community, they get scared because Edward doesn't understand what's happening mm -hmm. around him. And, you know, you know, the, the Gaston character, uh, Mike, Anthony Michaels Hall uh, character, he makes things worse by antagonizing the situations. And, you know, it scares Edward and he's like a, he's like almost like a, an animal too. Like when you're, you know, cornering an animal, it's an animal. It's going to like lash out and try to protect itself. Right. And, you know, the community rejects him and they go after him just like Frankenstein, like the evil or not the evil, but the angry villagers mm -hmm. go after Frankenstein, just like Edward. And, you know, he's driven back to the place where he began his journey and, you know, you know, but Tim Burton does a great job of like conveying those stories. Yeah, I completely agree. I on on all aspects of it, especially the Frankenstein part of it. Right. Because it's just like it plays out almost exactly like Frankenstein. Right. And it's sad. And then except um, the except the whole castle doesn't completely get destroyed like in Frankenstein. Yeah. And then Kim is the little girl with the flower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he didn't throw her in the in the river. He just cut her hand when he was making yeah. Um, but um, what did you think about, you know, the whole movie? Well, I have a love hate relationship with the movie because I love the spooky, magical side of it and everything that the movie represents as far as like how being different isn't bad and being misunderstood is a whole other issue on its own. But it's also like really, like you said, heartbreaking to watch. It's really hard for me to watch it because I cry every single time. Um, I think our familiar had mentioned that he like didn't watch it for a really long time after the last time he saw it because it's just like so heavy like you love it but you know when you watch it it's gonna like it's a downer yeah um so for me I feel like pegs I'm I'm so sorry if this like offends anyone or is it, it what is it called politically incorrect but peg's relationship with Edward to me is a lot like when you find or adopt a stray dog. Right. Because it feels like it's so hard because you feel bad for him and you understand like it's a struggle for her because she's like trying to help him, but she's also facing like all these challenges along the way. But then at the same time, you freaking love him because he's an adorable dog. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way I can think of it. And so it's just like really hard now going through what we've gone through with Bruce, how he's been like the most difficult dog to right. take care of it's like is challenging but it's also really like how can you not like it's worth it in the end it's funny you say that because like edward bruce has like these awkward limbs <laughs> yeah. they kind of put like it's hard for like we like he like he loves to cuddle but it's hard because his legs are so long yeah and they just kind of knock things over and are like almost dangerous at times yes especially when he tries to hug you like, <laughs> like he almost scratches you all the time yeah but yeah he's he's a lot like edward yeah he's he doesn't know how to function in his own body yeah even it's though funny. he's fully grown because his legs are so long but um something i did want to say though is that 
this movie, when I was doing research, I found out that the studio execs were so worried about the image of Edward Scissorhands and the prior, like you said, the the reputation that Johnny Depp had. They didn't want to release photos of him entirely. Like they were afraid that if people saw it, they would be like turned off by his new alternative spooky look and that they wouldn't go watch it. So they tried really hard to keep any images from being leaked until the movie was actually like in theaters. And so I just think that that resonates perfectly with our community and everything I've been saying through this entire little spooky world that I've created is we're always trying to blend into society because we're afraid of what people might think if we wear our dark clothes and our skulls and our some of us have piercings and tattoos and we're all misunderstood because of those things. And I felt like this movie was a love letter to the spooky community because it's just full of misunderstood misfits who we just all want to love each other. Like Our community is a perfect example of that. Like once we found that our goals that we connected our ghoulsters together, they all have like just so much love and open arms for everyone and acceptance. And so this movie just I feel like that's why it resonates so much with this with, I guess, the alternative community, because. Right. It's everything that we all experience at some point in our lives. All right, I'll get off my soapbox here. So what was your favorite scene or line or what stuck out to you most from the movie? I, uh, it's kind of tough. I would say most of the Vincent Price scenes mm-hmm. are what um, resonate with me. Uh, specifically the scene where he has you know, an early Christmas gift for Edward mm-hmm. and he has, you know, his hands and stuff. Yeah. And then him just kind of like touching his hands for the first time. And he's like, I like, I love how Vincent Price moves the hands with Edward's hands. So he kind of sees what it's going to look like. Oh yeah. But then it's heartbreaking when Vincent Price um, passes away and, you know, Edward destroys the hands and stuff. And it's just, it's just really heartbreaking. I think that's kind of, I don't know if it is, if this is true or not, but I think that that role was um, Vincent Price's last role on the I big think screen. It might have been because I know that Tim Burton was working on a documentary with him that they didn't get to complete because he passed away. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Vincent Price is a, a badass. He is definitely a huge part of the spooky community. Um, he famously did the voiceover for, um, what's it called? Thriller. Thriller. You know, that's a big one. Um, but yeah, he's he's pretty awesome. Um, I, another scene that kind of stuck out to me was the scene where Edward is looking at the um, salon with that. That thought <laughs> that lady. <laughs> I forgot her name, but um, just when she she is so thirsty throughout that whole movie. It's insane. I'm like, dang, lady, relax. <laughs> but when she takes him in the back and tries to seduce him, I remember seeing that when I was a kid and stuff. And I was just, it was very awkward. Because, <laughs> like, I knew, I, I didn't 100% understand what was going on when I was a kid. Yeah. But it was just very odd. I'm pretty sure my parents told me not to look and stuff. But it was it was really strange. And that uh, that always, like, resonated to me as, like, like what's what's going on in this lady's head? Like why is she so thirsty <laughs> for everybody in that movie? Yeah. But yeah, like those two scenes kind of 
kind of stick out to me. Um, you know, all those other scenes too, where he's like, you know, making the ice sculpture, like cutting the trees and the dog's hair and everybody's hair. I thought those are really well done. Those are pretty cool. Yeah, I have to admit that we didn't get to talk too much about it, but I thought that they did an amazing job of being like so innovative with the haircuts. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And I even feel like some of them would work now today. Like back then they were like crazy and... I guess like futuristic right. and like here we are. And I feel like a lot of them would work in today's times. It's weird because I don't, I don't know when the movie takes place. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't really say mm-hmm. like, it doesn't feel like the eighties or it feels kind of like the eighties feels like the fifties and sixties and stuff. But if you look at old advertisements and artwork from like the fifties and sixties, you know, they had like a lot of those crazy haircuts, like in the higher fashion. Oh yeah. I know. guess it's more like runway. Mm-hmm. hair yeah maybe yeah but yeah it's um you know those are it, it's just it has a lot of fun elements in the movie agreed and what about you what what's your favorite um scenes well i'm gonna go with the basic answer of everybody everyone's favorite scene oh okay wait let me backtrack because i do have one favorite scene that's okay. maybe not my favorite favorite scene is when Edward sees Kim's picture for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, he just instantly feels this connection to her. And you can see it in his eyes that he is like, who is this beautiful human being Mm -hmm. that I just laid my eyes upon? And I'm going to get really corny and say that I knew you were the one because you were the first person who ever looked at me with those eyes when I sang. (laughs) (laughs) With my thirsty eyes. (laughs) They were thirsty they were full of love is that what they were full of <laughs> it was it was part thirst part love it was um, a mixture of the two i don't know so i guess seeing the movie again with you was like holy crap i never thought that i would experience that and it's just like beautiful to see that like he did such a good job of conveying that like seeing an angel an angel upon right. his befall his eyes, I guess. Um, but of course, the scene that sticks out the most, of course, that always leads to the tears is when she tells him, hold me. And he's like, I can't. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's a so, pretty sweet moment. It's not sweet. It's terrible. Well, well, he she kind of. Um, helps him hold her yeah. right after. And that's a sweet moment. Yeah, I know. It's just and, like and hard. She, and she shows him at that point, like she's not afraid of him. Mm-hmm. And he feels like, you know, he's normal for like that brief moment. Yeah. But he didn't feel that way when he first saw her, when she came back from that camping trip and she screams. Oh yeah. And he destroys her waterbed. <laughs> Which another thing, waterbeds were fucking terrible. <laughs> I remember I had a, I think my uncle had one and it was like, it was cool. Like you're a kid, but it was just like really stupid and uncomfortable and uncomfortable. Like, (laughs) I don't know how people like didn't mess up their spines getting a waterbed back in the eighties and nineties. It always like makes me laugh when movies put things into like, how do I explain it? Like you wouldn't think if you didn't understand something that that's how you'd react. Right. So like when he pokes the waterbed the first time and covers it with like a stuffed oh, animal. Yeah. Like, I don't know, in my head, it's like, 
he's like us like in his mind he's like a child that doesn't understand what's happening so he right. discovers it and it reminds me a lot of here i go again bringing up like hocus pocus when they see the pavement for the first time oh yeah like it's just crazy to me when people write scripts and mm-hmm. they think of like how would that person actually right. react to that situation because i don't know it's just funny like oh just cover it with the stuff well when he does it when i what i think of is when you dirty your couch and you flip over the seat <laughs> You're like, ah, just flip it over. Um, but yeah, I'm also when he does that, too, in the back of my head is like by the time she gets to the house, how is that waterbed not completely flooded the house? I know, right? They like it's leaking. Yeah. That subject again. Well, that's that's movies. Yeah. And you always we always have those conversations. You're like, how does that even work? I'm like, I always have to say, well, it's a movie. Like. <laughs> Like, it's a little detail they just kind of gloss over because, yeah. We should create a YouTube series that's about plot holes. Oh, yeah. Call it Water Holes and give YouTube Edward Scissorhands. Okay. Is there any other scenes that stick out to you? Yeah. Um, this is actually one of mine and Oscar's favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's when um, Edward gets a facial from Peg. The lady that saves him. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember that scene so much because it's, uh, you know, like the sound effects are really good. Like her, (laughs) like mixing the like the stuff and, you know, applying it on his face. And she's just trying (laughs) all these different things to just trying to fix like his scars and stuff. Yeah. And I remember her saying, you know, darn this stuff. (laughs) Like and we were watching it the other day and I said that line and and it was just so hilarious. And I remember uh, Avon. Growing yeah. up too, like too. I, I remember the the ladies, you know, coming to the door and like they're saying like Avon calling and stuff. So yeah, that th- that was just a hilarious scene. Just how you know, um, you know, I, I and I think later on too, she calls like the president of Avon yes. and she's trying to get like <laughs> advice on how to like fix his face. <laughs> and I always felt like the stuff from Avon was just like, you know, in. I don't know. There was just like all these inventions back in the 50s and 60s that didn't really do anything. Well, I have to disagree on that, though, because maybe they were just innovative because now there's just as many things like there's tons of skincare products and stuff. So I think they were just ahead of the curve on that. Uh, Do you think uh, Edward could do you think there'd be a there could be a sequel where he, you know, exists now in 2020? I don't know. I do know I read somewhere that um, Tim Burton has said that he has never considered the idea of a sequel because he feels like it will just ruin the magic of right, the first I get one. That. Um, but I don't know. I'd be like, I, I kind of feel like there should be a sequel because I feel so bad for Edward. Like you want to know that his life turned out better than you think it did? Or at least like give him like a happy ending where he's, you know, you know, at peace with himself. Either he, you know, dies or something like, (laughs) I just feel bad that he's like there forever. Yeah, I I agree. It's heartbreaking. Um, I will say 
not to change the subject, sorry, but I actually thought of my other favorite funny scene in the movie is when um, Peg wants a haircut for like the 50th time. Oh, yeah. And he's like, again? And she's like, does it really have any hair left at that point? And she's like, I love it when you give me haircuts. I it's think, like, girl, you got to grow your hair out again first. I think that she, I think, I think what happened was like everybody was afraid of him at that point. Mm-hmm. So, like, nobody was asking him to do his haircut anymore or, like, do the lawn and stuff. Yeah. So she wanted to make sure that he felt like he is wanted mm-hmm. and still, you know, part of the family. So she just kept on, you know, cut my hair. So <laughs> she's, she, she's a, I think, the real hero of this movie. She's a, a trooper. Yeah, for sure. Because she, throughout the whole movie, she, her, you know, her love and devotion to Edward never changed throughout the whole movie. I agree. She never questions him or mm-hmm. starts to doubt his character, mm-hmm. I guess, even when everyone else has decided that he's not a good right. person, I guess. For she, Yeah, she's the only words. one that understands that he is misunderstood. For sure. So to kind of start wrapping things up, our familiar had actually mentioned that viewers were actually like divided on whether they think Kim, which is Winona Ryder's character, is telling a fairy tale to her granddaughter or relating a story about something that really happened to her. So, I mean, I guess there's technically no correct answer. Like, no one's ever come and said this is the the truth. Right. But what do you think about that? Well, I think that she's, um, you know, I think that she experienced this. Like, I think it did happen. Um. And um, I think, you know, it's weird because I think people think it's a fairy tale because she's old. But Edward Scissorhands is still young. Have you noticed that? Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of people think that Edward is human. I don't think he's human at all. He's more of like like a, like a Swiss watch. And I think he's going to outlast any human that exists. Mm-hmm. So he like he you know, stays in the same spot always, you know, he's not like changing like a human. He doesn't get old. You know, he's just like a clock. You just brought up like so many questions in my head though. And then everybody gets to like, and everybody else gets old. Yeah, I I get that. Part of me also though, like my biggest argument for this, I'm going to go back to what you just blew my mind with though. My question is if it's a fairy tale, why is it so freaking sad? (laughs) Fairy tales are supposed to be happy. Well, there it is. It's not a fairy tale. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just think it's crazy. Like, why do people think that it would not be like you mentioned this when we were watching the movie and you were actually pretty angry about it as we were watching it because I mentioned this to you and you were like, there's no question about it. Like, she is Kim. Like, why are people confused about this? Right. So if any of you are like, it's a fairy tale and you have a strong argument for it. Please reach out to us because we want to know why you guys think it's a fairy tale. Right. And then you kind of made me wonder. I mean, I hadn't thought about it at this deep level, but if Edward isn't human and he's, say, a robot or a machine, doesn't he require maintenance and his creator's not around? So, like, what's going to happen to him? He needs maintenance. That's true. Um, I don't know. Damn, another <laughs> another, um, you know, thing. Just entered my mind and it's um um the wizard of oz the tin man oh the whole yeah. time his journey was about getting a heart and even vincent price's character alludes to that with the the robot 
that he has in his shop and he pulls up that cookie that puts and it's a heart cookie, puts it on that robot and he wants to create, you know, Edward. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, it, it, <laughs> my I, it's, mind is just like, <laughs> yeah, there's just so many, <laughs> there are so many layers in this movie. Like it's just, it's crazy. You know, this movie has layers. Onions have layers. Just on, just so many of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I have so much to think about after this. Okay. So final thoughts. If there's someone out there who has somehow listened to this episode and never watched the movie, would you recommend it? Well, to that person, you know, congratulations from coming out of your coma for the last 30 <laughs> years. And, um, you know, I think it's a great movie. I think it's one of the one of the better, you know, fish out of water stories that I can think of. Um, but it is just, you know, it's sad. Um, but it's also a great movie um, because everybody kind of goes to the things that Edward does. Whether you're a bully or you're, you know, the girl next door or you're like the awkward kid or you're just like a person that's trying to be a good person and just try to help out whoever you can. You know, it's just it's it's a good movie. It has, it's a real, it's well rounded. That's a really good way to put it. Yes, I agree. I obviously recommend it 100 percent. I think everybody needs to watch it at some point in their lives. Just a big old disclaimer to make sure you're. In a mentally good place when you watch it, because it could totally derail your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just realized, as we really do wrap up this episode, that we totally messed up on this, guys, because we didn't even talk about the spookmas aspect of this freaking movie. So, <laughs> what's the, what's the spookmas aspect well, I mean, of the movie? This is the spookmas month, and we didn't even talk about it. So obviously. They celebrate Christmas. Oh, yeah, they it. do. And for me, the biggest spookmas part of it was obviously the snow. We didn't even... I should have mentioned that as one of my favorite scenes, but when Edward creates the snow and Kim is dancing underneath it, that's just like the the feeling every girl wants to feel during Christmas at some point. Like they can just go out and dance in the snow, even though we <laughs> live in Arizona. <laughs> Although we don't live in a, a world where we have soundtracks that play in our life or we don't live in slow motion so i think it'd be look you would look really silly if you're just kind of dancing around (laughs) with snow falling around you is like what's going on with this lady but would be even creepier is a guy cutting a sculpture together with scissors for hands so yeah i think it'd be pretty hilarious to see that all right so any final closing thoughts I, I guess just one, um, one of the characters that was super annoying besides the thought in the movie <laughs> was the, the dad. He was just so like oblivious to everything. Yeah. Like from him kind of like, like kind of trying to teach Edward stuff mm-hmm. from like, you know, him dealing with his family and stuff. He's just kind of like, whatever, like he, I guess he was kind of just like a male of that time. Like, he just went to work, he came back, and kind of just dealt with his family. Yeah. Which was a bummer. I hated that he kept calling him Ed, even though he never said that he liked that name or yeah, nickname. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't it's kind of a male thing. I do that, too. Like, I give people nicknames all the time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, Oscar has maybe four or five nicknames that I gave him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, the, the scene where 
Kim is dancing in the snow and then gets cut by Edward and like the ex-boyfriend shows up and like argues with Kim. Mm -hmm. You know, the father just kind of like shrugs it off like nothing's happening. And if my daughter was like getting in a verbal argument with somebody that she dated, I'd be like super pissed off. I was like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. And get in the middle of it. And he's just kind of like, eh, whatever. Well, to me, it's like, did he not hear it at all? Because like he's on the roof. I think he was drunk, too, when he was on the roof. Oh, snap. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> but even drunk, it would have been worse for yeah, me. I would have been super pissed off. Like, I would have broken a bottle and threatened that kid's life. I was like, get the fuck out of here. And, <laughs> oh, my God. Or I'd, I'd get Edward's hand and, like, threaten him with his scissors. <laughs> like, hey, get out of here. <laughs> Fucker. Uh, yeah, I know. I don't know. It was just that scene was just really odd to me because like you said, I'm like, did he not hear it at all? Because he didn't acknowledge it, period. Yeah, he didn't. He just was like, Edward, where are you going? Because Edward <laughs> takes off whatever. Yeah. All right, guys, that concludes our first Spookmas episode. Uh, I'm actually really disappointed to say that we're not aware of any 30th anniversary things happening, such as like a special Blu-ray release or even a virtual event. I'm kind of surprised. Maybe we're just ahead of the game and something's going to pop up later and we'll let you know on our Instagram. Maybe. Uh, but other than that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We invite you to please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're interested in investing in our passion project, please check out patreon.com forward slash the ghoulmates. Until next time, we are sending you ghouls and kisses. Bye. ghouls i hope you enjoyed traveling back in time with me to the og mandy spooks days as much as i did i hope that you guys have an incredible holiday season don't forget to prioritize some self-scare time i know that this time of year can get quite chaotic so please take care of yourselves take a walk outside step away from the family watch a scary movie you know distract yourselves uh but i'm really looking forward to the next year there are so many things to come in 2023 2022 was a very reflective year for myself i've been through a lot as a content creator over the last few years and it's taken some time for me to really really find myself and get back to a place where i love creating again and thanks to you guys i really feel like i'm there again so with that being said, I'm leaving you with a little Christmas gift of a teaser that there is some very exciting new things to come in the new year, and I cannot wait to share them with you guys. You guys are my my world, my ghouls, and so it's really hard for me not to share more with you, but this is just kind of like a little hint that there are some really, really ghoul things coming in the new year for you guys. So I hope you have a great year, great rest of the year, and until next year, sending you ghouls and kisses. Bye! Ha 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 ha.